Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Greater Alton Church. I'm glad you could be with us this morning. My name's Tim, and uh, oh boy, uh, uh, good to be together. Good to be together. What an interesting weather we're having. I hope you're enjoying the little break we're having. Um, and get outside and do something. I'm glad you're here, though. We're in a series of lessons called Unfinished. You probably noticed that in the bulletin. It looks like, uh, what happened? They ran out of ink or something. But uh, we did that on purpose because God has given us some unfinished work to do. Last week, we learned in, uh, from the book of Acts that God is, uh, Jesus started to do some things and has left his disciples to finish his work. And so uh, we're looking at the book of Acts. And I want to encourage you as we study the book of Acts, we're doing this in our discipleship groups, our small group discipleship groups, as well as here on Sundays, that, uh, that we're, not, we're not studying this book to become deeper scholars or theologians. We're studying this to be better servants of God. And, and better, and really us being soldiers in a, in a sort of way, because we are on a mission. We're on a special mission from God. He's given us a mission. Look at these passages. You can either see them on the screen or look at them on your notes here. We're looking at. Jesus said this to his disciples in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. And he's talking about his disciples specifically. The same mission Jesus had. He goes, God, you gave me this task. You gave me this, this work to do on this earth, and I'm giving the same mission to my disciples. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look how the book starts. Paul's writing to the church, to the Christians at Corinth. And so the, the kingdom has been here for a number of years, and he says, I, Paul, have been sent on a special mission by the Messiah Jesus, planned by God himself. He's like the Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission from God. He is making that clear. It's a special mission. Well, what is that mission? It's to do the things that Jesus taught and did. It's to mention Jesus and model Jesus. And if you look at Acts 20 up here on the screen, it, this is the passage we've, we're using as our springboard, so to speak, in the book of Acts, where Paul says the most important thing is that I complete my mission. That I, that I, and then he says, I want to finish the, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. So last week we learned that what, what did Jesus come to do? He come to reach people. That's what we're here for. And so, so uh, uh, when you look at this uh, idea of what Jesus came to do, the book of Acts begins with Luke saying, you know, the first letter I wrote you, Theophilus about everything that Jesus began to do and teach, and then he starts unfolding it. And what I noticed as I was studying the first chapter and the second chapter of Acts for today's lesson, I noticed something I'd never seen before, and it's in Acts chapter two, verse twenty-two, where Peter is in the middle of, uh, is talking about Jesus. He says, "Jesus of Nazareth was a man proved to you by God Himself, and look what it says: through the works of power, the miracles." And the signs which God showed through him here amongst you, as you uh, very well know. What's he saying? Jesus did some powerful things right in front of you. You know, I, 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 last week we talked about Jesus, or Luke recorded everything he began to do and teach. Peter gets a little more specific and says, let me tell you some of the things he did. They were powerful. They, they, they were miraculous. And they were signs to you. Now, I know some of you here 
There's a few of you here probably getting a little nervous. What is that all about? There's a lot of mystery connected to the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. A lot of misunderstandings. A lot of, a lot of uh, expectations different people have, different churches have. I mean, just on this street, just on this street, we have a, a host of different kinds of approaches to this passage. And I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, I guess, uh, and can, you know, deal with the, well, what about speaking in tongues? What about miracles? What about signs and wonders? I just want to focus on the power of God this morning. Because the power of God is what started the church. It needed the power of God. And I thought, man, if I need the power of God, don't you? Some of you who didn't raise your hands have some problems this morning. And you didn't raise your hands because you don't want anybody to know. Well, God knows, and God wants you to have His power, His power in your life. And so uh, I just noticed, you know, Jesus did some powerful things. That's what I noticed. I'm very tinker toy when it comes to the Word of God. I don't try to get too complicated. And I noticed that. Well, He did powerful things. Of course He did, you'd say to me. Tim, He walked on water. Yeah, that was powerful. Yeah, He healed the sick. Boy, Wow. Wow. Fed thousands. I've fed a lot of people, but never thousands. That is amazing. They all went away satisfied. Who can do that? You know, he raised the dead. Made the blind see. These were powerful things. And he did them right in front of people. And and Peter says, right amongst you. He wants us to know that. And if it wasn't enough, he resurrected from the dead. Call that powerful, huh? That is amazing power. He walks out of the grave alive. Went into it dead. Walks out alive. But I want to want us to also realize something else. It wasn't just those things that Jesus did that was powerful. He had the power. He had power, powerful insight and powerful wisdom into the word of God. And could read the hearts of men. That's amazing. He just had this... You know, you ever met somebody that they, they seem to be able to read people better than you? Jesus was powerful with that. He also had the power to resist temptation. He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil at Gethsemane. And he is, he is resisting the temptation. He had the power to resist it and overcome it. He also had the power, think about this, to forgive people as he's dying. As they're hurting him. That's powerful. I'm not there. You there? Can you forgive people as they're hurting you? Oh, it takes me a while. Some of us here have been hurt for years we've yet to forgive. Why? It's too hard, Tim. It's so hard. Yeah, you need some power, don't you? Yeah, me too. Me too. And then I think about what Jesus said, the kind of things he said that he taught were powerful and had a powerful impact on other people. And wouldn't you love to have that kind of influence on your kids or your friends? Absolutely. Absolutely. How was Jesus able to do all these things? Well, Tim, he cheated. What? He cheated. How did he cheat? Well, he was the son of God. You know, he was, you know, even though he was, you know, Superman, he, he, he looked like Clark Kent, you know, and people didn't know. You know, Superman was still strong when he wore the Clark Kent stuff, right? 
And that's what Jesus did, Tim. I mean, he walked around and he was really a son of God. And a lot of times we use that as an excuse. I mean, Jesus could do it because he was the son of God. And since I'm not the son of God, I can't do it. You know, I used to feel the same way. But then when you start looking at the scriptures, you find out that Jesus couldn't do anything until he had the power of God. It's when he had the power of God, he lived on the power of God, and lived by the power of God, then he was able to do those amazing things, those powerful things on this earth. What do you mean, Tim? Well, let's look at a few verses here up on the screen. The first one's in Luke 4. Look what it says about Jesus. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I would love for you sometime, write this down as an assignment. Go to, go to Gateway, go to Study Light, you know, whatever internet Bible program you want to use, and just type in the word power and read every verse. I've had people say, how do you find these verses? I look at every verse with the word power in it. I look at every verse. I've got a list. I've got a list of stuff in my Bible here. Of uh, These are my chicken scratch notes. And they're just... Oh, look at this. I mean, they're chicken scratch notes. And they're just lists and lists of power, 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 power. I couldn't believe all the verses in the Bible that talk about God's power. And I don't even know if we talk about it much. It's in there a lot. There's so many verses in the Bible talk about God's power. And when you talk about, look at Jesus and type in Jesus and power, you're going to find all these verses that talk about Him and the power. He says, He returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. Man, it, the impact was amazing. Why? He had the power of the Holy Spirit in His life. In Luke 5... It says, one day it says Jesus was teaching, the Pharise- and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. I want to say it again. Jesus could not have done a thing without the power of God. Even his birth, even when he was born... It took God's power. Remember Mary sitting there talking to this angel and you're going to have a child? How can this be? I'm a virgin. There's no way I could have a child. Have you taken biology? I mean, that's the way it works. You know, and, and what's the angel? The angel says these words to her. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus couldn't have been born without the power of God. And, and, and then you think about his ministry, the ministry of Jesus. Remember, he started his ministry, he went down and John the Baptist baptizes him. And when he comes out of the water, what happens? A dove, the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, is that right? Lands on him, and a voice from heaven thunders and says, This is my son, of whom I am well pleased. After his baptism, God acknowledges him publicly since his birth for the first time. This is my son, and I'm well pleased with what he just did. You know, just a, you, you look at that and you go, Okay, all right. Why? Why does the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus? Well, for our benefit, sure so we can see that, but for His benefit, so He can do, teach and do the things God gave Him to do. Now, the reason I'm saying that to you this morning is this. In order to finish the mighty things Jesus once done, 
Jesus would send God's power to his disciples. This same power he wants you and I to have. Look what it says in Acts 1.8. Jesus said these words to his disciples. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. i got a big job for you, and you, and you need to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Lord, and you'll, when you do, you'll receive the, uh, this power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And is that true? Does that happen? It must have happened. They baptized 3,000 people the very first day the church doors were opened. And in Acts 4, verse 33, look what it says here. And the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and God's great favor was upon them all. What's that mean? What do you mean? What's that about, Tim? Well, they have a powerful witness, just like he said they would be. They would be witnesses. They have a powerful witness, and it's because of God's favor. What's God's favor? What's he talking about here? He's talking about his love, yeah. His mercy, yeah. How about his support? If you favor someone, don't you lend them your support and help? And so they're getting help from God to finish this work. No wonder, no wonder uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is not just talking. It's living by God's power. I want that. I want that. I want that. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. If you're a Christian, you're a part of the kingdom of God. He says, look, it's not about talking. It's living by God's power. Not about talking about His power. Not about just talking and what you're going to do. It's actually living. You know, a lot of people uh, this morning, some of you here have a relationship with God that really just is more like admiring Him. You admire Him. That's not going to get you anywhere. God's not satisfied with you admiring Jesus. He wants you to experience Jesus. He wants you to experience Him. And He wants you to live by God's power. And we live by God's power through Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. This talking versus power. That's what I noticed. There's talking and then there's God's power. And I got to thinking about this myself. And you know how silly I can be. I want to show you something here. And what this this has belonged to my great grandfather. This is a drill. You know that it's a hand drill. How do you know it's a hand drill? It's got handles. It's dead giveaway. Okay, hand drill. Okay, and there's no motor attached to it. Do you notice that? My great grandfather used this drill to build the barn and the old St. Ledger place. Now, what did he use the drill for? He put together beams, oak beams, 10 by 10 oak beams. Mortise and tenon would drill two holes through 10 inches of wood and then replace it with an oak pin. And these are, they were everywhere in the barn. And he used this. I don't think I want to meet him in a dark alley. He must have had the forearms of Popeye, you know what I'm saying? But, but that, that's, that's, that's hand. You know, that's, that, that's a hand tool. Here's one of my saws. I, I, I couldn't find a very good one. This one's got a bolt missing even. And you notice it's rusty? It's because I don't use it. Why don't you use it, Tim? Why? Too much work. My brother one time said, if there's a handle attached to it, run. It means work. And so I'm like... 
And you know, and I've I've sawed stuff before, and I've drilled stuff before. I got an old brace and bit that belonged to my great grandfather as well. And you know, and I can do stuff on my own, on my own power. You follow me? My own hand. But then, Bubby. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, that's. It's such a beautiful sound to my ears. This, this. I used to use this when I was a kid. My dad, that's how he kept me busy, I guess. I don't want to use this. I want to use that. Why? Because, I mean, if you had the choice, which would you use? This or this? You know what I'm saying? You see where I'm coming from now? Look at this. Here we go. Look at this. This is a Black & Decker half-inch drive hammer drill. Hammer drill. Look at this puppy. It's, it doesn't, doesn't mess around. It's messing with me. It's messing with me. Oh. You remember the first time you used a power tool? Remember, you're, you're, I don't know, I was like four. Dad hands me a saw. I hit the blade, I run. It's too scary. It's powerful. And these are, you know, how many of you got power tools at home? Yeah. How many of you got a lot of power tools at home? Me too. I have five or six routers. Why, Tim? I guess I'm lazy. I don't want to change the bits. I guess that's what it is. I can't figure it out myself. I've got all these routers. And I got two or three of those saws and lots of drills and, you know, like Tim the Toolman. I just love the power, the power that goes with that. And see, and God says, look, Tim, you can, you can live on your own power and just... I've got this addiction, and I'm going to lick it. I'm going to grab myself up by my bootstraps, and I'm going to make it. Uh, why is this so hard? You know, I, 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 I want to grow. I want to change. I want to mature. i got such a baby attitude sometimes. I want to change that. I can do it. If I grunt hard enough and try hard enough. And God says, why are you doing that when you could... Bypass the middleman and go right to the power. And use something that could make it a little easier. Am I right? And make it a little easier. God wants us to have His power. He wants us to use His power. And I, and I say this to you this morning. I set things up here on purpose, okay? To get you thinking about a couple things. One, are you just hand tooling it? Is that all you're doing? You know, churches that do that tend to think they're cool. Look what we've done. But people that tap into God's power, you know what they tend to do? God's the source of the power, and they give Him glory. And they're able to accomplish so much more. I can't dream of going back to drilling by hand or sawing by hand. I've got to have a power tool now. I'm spoiled. And oh, in the kingdom of God, 
The Bible says it's a living with God's power, not on your own. Never meant to be on your own. That problem you brought in this morning, God has the power to help you with that. That challenge you have this morning, that discouragement and disturbing, whatever it is that's happening to you, God has the power to help you with that this morning. You'll never be able to accomplish anything on your own. It's going to take the power of God. And so I don't, and I, again, I, I, I say something else, and it is that I know, I know there are believers on this planet, people who claim to be following Christ, that talk about God's power in their life. And they express it in several ways. I can speak in tongues. I can interpret things. I can drink this. I can do amazing things like that. And you know, I, and I, I know that some of you here, you know, you may feel that way. Well, I can do that. Or I know people that can do that. I believe that. Well, you know, there's another group here, and they're kind of cautious with that. Am I right? Mm, I don't know about that. You, know, you got one group that says, when the Holy Spirit hits me, I just go out of control. And then you got another group that says, well, I think we ought to control things. And they throw scriptures out like, we need to do things in decency and in order. And the Holy Spirit does bring order, and that is true. But when did the power of God and the Holy Spirit ever come about losing control? or trying to keep control. Isn't it the Holy Spirit and living by the power of God, living by God's power? Isn't that really what it's about? It's really about that. And so I say to you, I know a lot of people have a lot of power tools and never use them. And what I mean by that is, they have all these things, they say, I can do this, I can do this, and I know people do this, and I believe this, and I believe that, but they're not using it. They're not using it for what God gave them the power to do. I know people, I, I've met people that speak in tongues and, do, and ramble on and all kinds of stuff, but they don't lift a finger trying to reach people for Jesus. So, so what if I've got power, if I'm not using it? Big deal. The power wasn't just for you. It was about the Holy Spirit in you working on you to work through you. That's what it was always about. It's always been about. You read the book of Acts. It's not about having this special gift and you have it all to yourself or have this power just to work on you. It's to change the world. Guys, have you ever thought about we got a big job ahead of us. If, if the things that Jesus taught and did were powerful and he hands them off to us, it must be some big stuff. To do here, we're talking about about changing the the about changing people's forevers and their eternity here. And when you're trying to do that, you know we're going to hit some brick walls. We're going to hit some hard times. We're going to hit some discouraging times. We're going to have some places where we go. I don't know how to do this. Well, I know what we'll do. Let's do this and this and this and this, and it'll be all on our effort. And God's like, but Tim. It could be so much easier if you just plug into me. Greater Alton, it would be so much easier if you would just get my power. Live on my power and not your own.
He's given us a big job. And I, and, and I want to say to you this morning, I hope you're fe- you ought to feel the weight of this. I've had some people say to me this morning, you look tired. I'm feeling the weight of this. That we have such a big task in front of us, and I don't want to play around. I want to be this church that you read about in Acts. And when I look at it, I, I don't know all the answers. And I want to say to you this morning, I don't know. I, I may have created some confusion here this morning, what I, just, what I just went through here. I want to make sure you understand something. I don't know all the answers and how the Holy Spirit works today. But I do know this. I want that power. I don't have to understand how power works to benefit from it. Flip on a switch and then explain to me how electricity works. You don't know. Don knows. I don't. I'll burn your house down if I wire your home. And I, I don't have to understand electricity to be shocked by it and go, whoa, that was something. And I may not understand how the Holy Spirit works completely and we need to work and strive and learn, but I, I just I know a lot of powerful things are happening in the book of Acts in God's kingdom, and they need to be happening now too. How do we do this? You know, Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. That's what Paul said. I want to know that. I want to experience that. I don't want to admire it. I want to experience it. Ephesians 3, he said, here's, this is what Ephesians 3.20 says, With God's power working in us, He can do much, much more than anything we ask or think of. That's a promise. When God's power is working in us, when I'm living by that power, God's able to do things that I couldn't do on my own. I could never even imagine. And whenever I've experienced the power of God in my life, guys, it's always been that way. God has done something that I thought I'd never thought, saw that coming, never expected that. So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about how do I live by God's power? How do I live on God's power? How do I get it? Maybe it's that even for some of us here. Because some of us here are living powerless lives. How do I get God's power? How do I live by God's power? And what I've done is I'm just looking at the, the book of Acts. I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but I think it's a good start. Well, what are you talking about, Tim? I got four, th- four things I noticed when the church began in Acts 1 and 2 that helped the, the apostles experience God's power. First, the first thing I think I, I've got to do if I'm going to have God's power in my life, I become a follower of Jesus Christ. I know that's fundamental, but a lot of us here, you're not really following Jesus. You're admiring Jesus, and that's a total different thing. Totally different. Well, I think he's a good guy, and I, I like what he has to say, and, you know, and I, no, no, experiencing Jesus is more than admiring Jesus. When you experience Jesus, you're sold out to him. That's the only way you can experience him. You surrender totally to him. Have you thought about this church? Without Jesus, you and I are basically on our own. Without Jesus, we're stuck, and I say this truly. You and I, if we don't have Jesus in our life, we are stuck with what we can do. And it's not going to be much. I think Jesus said in John fifteen five, vine and the branches, he said, without me you can do nothing. 
You've got to be plugged in. It's kind of like the, this drill here, you know. It's plugged in way back here, and I unplug it, okay. It was doing so well, wasn't it? And I come up now, and I'm going, let's hear that. What's going on? What's, what's happened? What's, why is it not working? Maybe if I hold it just right, put my tongue in the right place. You know, well, maybe it doesn't work here. I'll go to another church. And it'll work over there. Hello. I'll just try another church. You know what the problem is? It's that's, no, that's not the problem. The problem is, is it's not plugged in, buddy. You've got to plug it into the power. And you know there's outlets all over the place. I almost wanted to run an extension cord all the way to the back of the building and see if it work. And it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, look at that, yeah. What, isn't that something? It, just, just a simple thing like that. But see, you've got to be plugged into Jesus. You've got to be connected to Jesus. Or you're not going to have the power. You're going to be on your own. How do I know if I'm connected to Jesus? But if I'm not, anything powerful happening? I need that connection. And see, Jesus promised this power to his disciples. Remember Luke 24? He said, you're going to receive this power. There's something about having a relationship with God. Being born again gives you contact with Jesus Christ, thereby giving you the power of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3? And he's talking about being born of the water and the Spirit. Look what he says here. He says, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. It says there up on the screen. Notice that? You he says, you can't be in the kingdom. You won't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. You've got to be born into this thing. Just like I'm born in. You know, we can talk about Ted Cruz and Obama and whoever don't have their citizenship. You've got to have your citizenship. You've got to be born into this kingdom. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. You, you've got to be born into this. And he says, you've got to be born. To be, a part, to be a citizen in this kingdom. And you know, Nicodemus goes, well, that don't make any sense. I can't get back inside my mom. Look at me. I'm 5'8 you know, now or 5'4 and I'm big. And that's, that's, first, that's gross. And secondly, that ain't going to work. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. I'm not talking about a physical birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. I'm talking about a spiritual birth, Nicodemus. It's like being born all over again. And he says these words, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He says there's some water involved and the Holy Spirit is involved. I think in Romans 8, read Romans 8 sometime. It says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not of Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. So it's important if I want the power of God to experience the power of God, it starts with having and being a follower of Jesus. You know, uh, here in your notes, if you look at Acts 2, you know, Peter is asked after his sermon, what do we do? What do we do? And notice if he mentions water and spirit in this passage. He said, each one of you must turn away from your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you'll receive God's gift, the Holy Spirit. For God's promise was made to you and to your children and to all who are far away, all whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What's he saying? He says, when you turn from your sin, turn to God and you're baptized water, your sins are forgiven and you receive the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You want the power of God in your life? You better make sure you're right with God. 
make sure you're a Christian. Make sure you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Number two, I notice in this passage, if I want, if I want to live by God's power and I want to have God's power, the second thing I, I can do is I can call out to God. I can call out to God. It says in Psalm 62:11, "Power belongs to you, God." Well, if it belongs to Him and I want it, I'm going to have to ask for it. And I noticed that even after Acts 2, and some amazing things occurred there, that the the disciples would ask for God's power again and again and again. They just didn't ask for it once and get it. But there were moments they would run into. They would ask God for His power, and God would deliver. Like I said before, uh, unless a power tool is plugged in, it's powerless. And prayer plugs me into the power of God. Look what it says in Isaiah 40. He, meaning God, gives power to the tired and worn out and strength to the weak. Even the youths shall be exhausted and the young men will all give up. Sounds like March Madness. Doesn't it? Like we're going to be tired here. But look at verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, here's your promise, and here's a premise here at the same time. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like ostriches, chickens. I love chicken wings, but they're not very big. No, these are eagles' wings. Very strong and powerful is what he's saying. And when they run, they won't get weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That was a promise in the Old Testament. And, and Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to go into Jerusalem. And he says specifically, wait for God's power. And I got to thinking about this. What are they doing while they're waiting? Have you thought about that? Anybody got a cards? Anybody got a game we can play? Let's play Pictionary. What's that, Paul, uh, Peter? I don't know. I just, just came to me. You know, uh, we got any board games? Now, what are they doing while they're waiting? It says here they're praying. They're praying. They all join together constantly in prayer. That's what it says in verse 14. They're all together praying. While they're waiting. Did they pray a lot? Apparently they prayed all the time. And as in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 it says they're all together. What do you think they're doing when they're all together in chapter 2 verse 1? Do you think they're praying? I am certain of it. I am certain of it. And while they're praying what happens? The Holy Spirit like a sound of wind a sound of a mighty rushing wind and fire come into this room and the disciples begin to speak in tongues in languages they're not babbling useless dialogue they're speaking actual languages and that comes in handy when you're sharing the gospel with people that speak different languages and then somebody says oh they're drunk they're just drunk. If you've seen the, the uh, musical Upside Down, 
A bunch of us are going to go in July to go watch it again. And they're doing all this fun, cool stuff. And all of a sudden, the music and everything and the celebration breaks with somebody shouting, They're just drunk. And it's dead quiet. What a party pooper, huh? And, and so they say, they're drunk. And what's Peter say? What's Peter say? He says... In chapter 2, verse 15, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. Holy cow, Peter. Here's your chance to make a strong argument. Here's your chance to make a big impression. And you go, they're not drunk. And why is that? Well, it's because it's 9 in the morning. What? It's 9 in the morning. I'll tell you, when we read through our American mindset, it just doesn't sound that impressive, does it? Okay, you told us the time. I mean, there's no watches. I get it. You've helped us. Nine in the morning. Well, we've established it's nine o'clock. Jesus is, or uh, Peter is saying something very significant here when he says it's only nine in the morning. Have you ever thought about wonder what's going on on Pentecost at nine o'clock in the morning? I never even thought of that before, Mike. I never wonder. What's going on during that time, 9 o'clock? You know, the day starts at 6, and they've, so they've been awake for three hours. What's been going on at 9 o'clock? Well, in the temple courts, what they're witnessing is a priest offering up the, the wave offering, and he's holding this shoulder of this animal and offering it to God. There is praising God and praying to God and singing to God and sacrifice to God at 9 a.m. And traditionally, the Jew would not drink or eat anything until 9 o'clock. And that's because he was praying the rest of the time. These guys are praying Is it coincidental that they're praying, that God finds them praying when he sends his power? I don't believe so. Maybe you're going to walk away and say, oh, I need to pray more. Well, maybe that's what you need to do. All I know is, if I want God's power, I need to be asking for it. And I need to be asking for it often. In Acts 4, they ask for it again. This is another example of them asking for God's power. Peter and John have been brought before a council. They've been rebuked. Stop talking about this Jesus. And they said, we can't help it. What we've seen and heard, we, we just got to say something. We've got to talk about it. And so they sternly warn them, and then they send them on their way. And when they return to the church, they begin to pray. And this is what they pray. Lord, pay attention to their hearts now and allow us to speak your word boldly. Show your power by healing, performing miracles, and doing amazing things through the power and the name of your holy servant Jesus. It says when they finished praying, their meeting place shook. Have you ever been anywhere where the place shook? It, I'm going to ask you another question. Let me ask you this. Is there a place in your life you would like the Lord to be powerful in? You'd like Him to shake it? Maybe at work. Maybe, maybe your roommate. Maybe on your campus, high school or college campus. Maybe it's at home. I just wish God would shake it up. I want to know His power is here. Look what it says. They left doing what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word boldly. They met their fear 
and the threats. It went from, oh, they're drunk, to you better stop or we're going to start beating you. And they said, we can't. God, we're afraid. Help us. Help us speak boldly. Give us some power. Give us the power of your son Jesus. Help us do some amazing things through us. Do something powerful. Man, if, there, if, if the world needs something right now, it needs God's people doing some powerful things. You know? Some powerful stuff. Loving more than the normal person. Serving more than the normal employee. Working harder than the normal employee. Being more sensitive than the normal neighbor. But way over the top. And being a church that just doesn't get together and sit in rows and sing and listen to somebody babble on. How are they able to get their place to shake? They were people who waited on the Lord. They hoped in the Lord. And God took them, weakness and all, they're weak. Some place I read, I was looking at all these scriptures, and it says that, um, it's, it, oh, where was it? Something about, you know, we're weak, but God makes us stronger by His power. We come, that's what it was, we come to Him in weakness, but we leave with His power. I want that. I desperately want that. And you know, I, I, I think about the moments where I've had power in God's life and then I've, where I've been courageous and fearless and then the other moments where I've been a scaredy cat and a wimp and it has something to do with my prayer life every time. And guys, I've got my daily quiet time so far as my Bible study down, but I, you know what I'm after now is that daily call upon God for His power. I'm after that now. I'm, I'm going to bother God until He gives it to me. I need it right now. I need it. I am weak. I am tired. And I need renewed. How about you? And it's because I've been working on my own. That's why I'm so tired. Been turning it on my own, measuring it on my own, sawing it on my own, drilling on my own. And God's like, Tim, you know, you're going to just wear yourself out. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Aren't you tired of it? I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work harder. You know, God's power can make it easier. Just make it easier. But i got to call out. Some of you here, you're Christians. You're in the kingdom. But you don't have that power. Debbie Wilder and I were talking this week. and goes, Tim, I want, I want, to, want my place to shake. And I'm like, boy, I caught that. Me too. Because you ever wonder why we're not having this power here? Is it possible we're just, we've got 110 volts going through it, but we're only using about two? Why are we so afraid of this power of God? We better figure it out. Number three. Yeah, I become a follower. I call out to God. And the thing I notice is I obey the Lord. I just have this compliant nature when it comes to God. I have this obedient attitude when it comes, when I approach God. You know, I, I, I don't like people telling me what to do. You go to, to a, a parking lot and you got a parking attendant and park over there. Well, I want to park over here. Go to the restaurant. Here's your table, but I want to sit over there. Are you just difficult, Tim? I guess I am. 
You know what I'm saying? We're not crazy about this. We're not a very compliant people. You know, we want everybody at Greater Alton to be a part of a discipleship group. I don't have to be a part of a discipleship group. Why why are you being like that? And you know, I'm going to be stubborn, and then I'm going to think God's going to work powerfully in my life. Who are you kidding? I mean, these guys here, it's just a simple thing that they do. And it was so profound and so important. They're sitting there when Jesus goes up in the sky like a, like, like a shuttle. Well, that's cool. And the angel, ding, ding, ding. Huh? What? What are you doing? What are you doing standing around? Shouldn't you be somewhere? Huh? Shouldn't you? I mean, what do you say? He's coming back. Didn't he say something else? Remember? Eat, eat, eat. I get to see that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, guys, we need to get back to town. He said, wait for the power. He's sending the Holy Spirit. Let's get back to town. Okay, let's go. And they start making their way back. And how far they had to go? Oh, 60, 70, 80 miles. They got a long trip ahead of them. No. Half a mile. Half a mile. How long does it take to walk a half a mile? 15 minutes? How long does it take, you think? 15 minutes? Do I have to make you discuss this? I mean, think about it. It's a 15, maybe? I mean, some of us could roll half a mile in 30 minutes. I'm just saying, if you couldn't, you know what I'm saying? I, I'll get there. I'll crawl. But these guys are healthy men. They're half, 15 minutes tops. You say, okay, Tim, what's your point? It was a simple thing. They all, that's all they had to do was a simple thing. It wasn't hard. It wasn't above their pay grade. All they needed to do was just obey what was in front of them. I asked Nathan, Nathan and I were looking at this passage together this week, and I said, Nathan, what do you think would have happened if the disciples kept looking at the sky and didn't pay attention to the angel and didn't do what Jesus said? They're a half a mile away, and they hear this What was that? Oops. I think we're late. I think we were supposed to be there. Do you think the disciples would have received the power of the Holy Spirit if they weren't there? I don't think so. It's such a simple thing, obedience. Just obey what's in front of you. Some of us here, it's it's a simple thing of, I need to listen. I need to depend on God here. I need to become a Christian. I know it. I've been studied with. I've been prayed with and all that stuff. It's time for me to make that commitment. I know what I need to do. You know what you need to do. What's in front of you. What God's put in It may be different from everybody here, but we all know that. I need to repent of that. I need to obey God here. Simple. Obedient attitude. And Nathan and I were talking about this, and he was. And I think the N.T. Wright talks about the Tower of Babel. Did you, anybody want, read that or watch that or read that? Because he has the video as well. And I'm reading that and I'm going, okay, that's cool. You've got some people disobeying God and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and gives them, they speak in different languages, but they're confused. They're confused. And in Acts 2, you have people who obey God and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're speaking in different languages, but they seem to have clarity. What's the difference? Obedience. And then Nathan said this to me, Dad, I, I, I got something else to think about. What's that? If I don't obey God, then God's going to use His power to work against me. That's what Babel teaches me. And guys, if I'm, if I'm stubborn and I don't want to comply with what God wants, 
What makes you think that's going to bring power to your life? He's going to, it'll bring power, but not the kind you're wanting. He'll work against you. Isn't that what Gamaliel said? He said, guys, we better be careful because we could be fighting God. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to obey God. Obey, obey God in the simple things. In the simple things. I don't think God's asked us to do something crazy. Most of the time it's just a simple, everyday, obedient life. And when I do, I'll find that power. In Acts 5 he says this, We are witnesses of these things. There's that word witness again. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. God gives me His power when I just obey Him. And the last thing I want to encourage you to see in Acts here is that I I live by God's power, I find God's power when I step out by faith. I have to finally do something. I can have all the power, I can have it in my hand, but one simple thing has to take place. I have to pull the trigger. Am I right? I have to pull the trigger. Nothing's going to happen unless I do something. That's my part in this whole thing. You look at Peter, and it was days ago, over a month ago, he's warming himself at a fire, and a little girl scares him to death, and he denies Jesus. But now, this is a different Peter. Something's happened. Look what it says here in the book of Acts. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice. Oh, what? He isn't talking under his breath now. I don't know Jesus like he did before. Now he's standing up. He's not hiding. He's standing up going, and raises his voice, and he addresses the crowd that's so intimidating, and says, Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. He's saying, I'm going to make it clear. I don't want you to miss this. Before, he's hiding and being wimpy. And here he stands up in boldness and says, I'm going to tell you like it is. And he preaches perhaps the greatest sermon ever preached. Why? Because he stood up. Where he used to hide, he took a step and went, i got to test this and see if this really works. How do I know? How am I going to know if the power of God's going to work in my life? I've got to try it. By faith, I've got to go, you know what? I need to take that step. I need to speak up. If it's reaching people, then I'm going to have to step up and out of my comfort zone. I'm going to have to change my schedule at times, and I'm going to have to change the way I communicate. I'm going to have to be a little more clearer. God, I need all your help there, because how am I going to make this work? I'm so busy. I'm such a coward. Only by your power. Only by God's power can you change that. And when you do, people are reached. I I believe this. Many times I don't have power in my life because I simply don't use it. I just don't use it. So today I want to encourage you. What's the step you need to take? What are you going to do to test to see if God's power is there? You ask for God's power. You obey Him and go, you know what, Lord? I'm going to take it up a notch. And watch what He does through you.
Oh, it'd be so cool. Not just to hear about Greater Alton as a place where God has been shaking it up, but as a member, as a fellow member, I hear about your workplace and how God's using you to shake it up, or your home. That would be so cool to hear. That'd be so encouraging to know. We need God's power, church. You need God's power. Where do you need it today? Where do you need it today? Why don't you put on that communication card? I need God's power right here, and I need it now. And let, let people pray for you, and let, and let some people help you. Talk to people about this. Talk to your people in your small group or, the, or a Christian you know here and say, I need some help with this. So God can work powerfully. You come in weaker today. You come in weak today, but why not go out stronger? Because you're taking the steps to have the power of God in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. We always, I always say that. Thank you for your word. It is so powerful. I read passages in your word to talk about that. That, you, that with man it's impossible, but you, you can do all things. You do the impossible things. That, that, that everything we do, Father, rests on your power. Father, I can't help but think about passages that talk about having, having strength of power and working your power in us, in our weaknesses. Father, we want to know the power of your resurrection. We want to have your energy to work in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace. So we call upon your power, Father. We call upon your power. Not for the purpose of losing control or or trying to regulate it to keep things in control. But we call on your power so you can be in control. And we ask you to start taking control of us. And start changing the way we talk, the way we act. Let us be your people, Father, that works powerfully at work, on the campus, at the restaurant, at the supermarket, in our ministry. They're just this this project's too big, Father. It's too big. So help us call upon you. Let us wait with prayer, knowing you want to empower us. We know your kingdom is not a place just to talk. It's a place of living by your power. Help us live by your power. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.